Me and Mankao, we became really close friends because we both harbored the secret of playing games. But it was always shameful for us because uh, it didn't feel adult or serious. At the time, it was cyber cafes or whatever. So I know you go to cyber cafes and play like these co-op shooters. We can bond over this because we can't talk about this, 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 this bad habit to anybody else. You're listening to the Lost Bay Podcast, a show about and with indie tabletop RPG creators and artists. I'm Eko. The Lost Bay Podcast is supported by its patrons. A big shout out to Perplexing Ruins, Xifusura, Sam Lee, Adam Kennedy, and Brian Stafford. Thank you so much, folks, for becoming patrons. You can become a patron too and help me grow the show and give voice to amazing creators and artists. Just head to patreon.com slash thelostbay and I've put the link in the show notes too. Today my guest is ZXU, author of the collection of zines A Thousand Thousand Islands, he co-created with the visual artist Munkau. Zedek and Munkau zines are unique. They are poetic and elegant, beautifully illustrated, extremely well-written. There are eight of them plus four appendices and two bundles. They are game-neutral fantasy zines inspired by Southeast Asia. Zedek and Munkau are kickstarting right now their first book a mega-setting and collection of adventures, a campaign set in the underworld called The Reach of the Roach God. The project looks really beautiful, the reward tires are great, I've put the Kickstarter link in the show notes, it runs until the end of November 2021, and we'll talk about the Kickstarter later in the show, but first, here is Zedek about his first gaming and game design experiences. I mean, what's your story with RPGs? Uh, how did you discover them or start playing? Or I don't know how I started discovering role-playing games, but you know, you're you're sort of browsing the internet as a young person, and like the first thing that really caught my eye was the old like AD and D sort of Planescape campaign setting, and I really got into those just as objects of imagination, not really for play because I didn't understand how to play. As far as I knew, nobody was interested in my sort of immediate sort of social circle. Zedek eventually met new friends in the art and theater scene and started playing RPGs. Two things happened that led Zedek towards writing RPGs set in Southeast Asia, meeting Mankao, and reading a blog post review on Patrick Stewart blog Force Machine about the book The Art of Not Being Governed by James Scott about the region of Zomia. So there is this region, mountainous region called Zomia, which border Burma and Thailand and uh, the, the sort of like mainland Southeast Asian states. And it's known to be a sort of area where the nation state doesn't have a grip. The identity is fluid. The tribes are constantly changing. 
yeah, it was just an interesting blog post because it was looking at all this very interesting ethnographic information from the lens of how could we make a game out of this or just imagine. It was not so much the game aspect of it as the imaginative aspect of it. So like it was just a way to look at a real thing, but sort of really run away with your imagination. Yes, which I found really inspiring. And that's how I got into making my own stuff. Me and Mankao, we became really close friends because we both harbored the secret of playing games. But it was always shameful for us because uh, it didn't feel a doubt or serious. At the time, it was cyber cafes or whatever. So I know you go to cyber cafes and play like these co-op shooters. We can bond over this because we can't talk about this, 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 this bad habit to anybody else. You were secret, secretly nerds, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. So that sort of graduated into us talking a lot and hanging out a lot. And eventually, we both were saying, we spent so much time doing this. How can we turn this hobby into work so that we can justify the time we spend on this? We're not tech people, so like we're not coders or whatever. So the only thing we knew how to do was sort of like make stuff with our hands. Zedek and Munkao's first game is not an RPG, but a card game. And from the beginning of their collaboration, the creative duo experienced a way of working that would become a signature of their work. For Zedek and Munkao, creating games is both a way to talk and also to learn to discover new things about the world that surrounds them. It was actually Makao who came to me. I remember this. I was off on a writing residency. It was in a lo sort of rural location. And then he would visit me on the weekends with a prototype of a card game he was making about the Malaysian political system. That's how we started working together. That card game was called Politico. It was heavily modeled after the card game version of Monopoly. And it was all about backstabbing each other and stealing people's voters and like getting the other party to lose voters by uh, engineering some sort of like um, controversy. One of the cards was sex scandal, one of our biggest political sort of meltdowns in, in the 90s, in the late 90s, was the deputy prime minister at the time being fired and arrested for sodomy. It was the weaponization of a colonial era homophobic law to, to destroy a, a rival politician. We made the game because one, it was going to justify our shameful nerd secret, but also because we did truly want to understand how things worked. So making the game was a way to understand a, a subject. After this first collaboration, the two creators started soon working on the first A Thousand Thousand Islands zine. A Thousand Thousand Islands has a very consistent shape and form. There's the zine format visually in terms of layout, and that's quite extraordinary. I mean, because it means that from the beginning, you, you nailed like the right form. How did that happen? A Thousand Thousand Islands started as a research project. Mankao is a visual artist. Previously in his career, he used, he used to make a lot of these like sort of art zines. He used to sell them at art bazaars and stuff like that. It was a project that he began out of the frustration he felt looking at sort of imagery in popular culture and or fantasy fiction, which would claim and sort of take inspiration from sort of Southeast Asia. But it was basically reskinning the same story we'd know from medieval Euro fantasy or sort of like uh, Chinese wuxia, sort of like whatever. And then like instead of 
a knight in armor or like a Shaolin monk, you'd have a guy with a charis. Mankal wanted to look into the way things looked in pre-colonial Southeast Asia, the way things felt, what people ate, what clothes did they wear, did they wear shoes or not, how did they tie their hats, things like that. Because it would be a way to counteract this boredom that he felt when he saw these things and also sort of understand who we are. The research project was fueled by the need to know more. And that's how we started making these zines. Okay, so Thousand Thousand Islands uh, starts as a, a research project and it's a series of zines. And in the beginning, did you have that aspiration, that plan, or was it something you discovered uh, while you were doing it? When Maka and I started talking about it, I can't recall how we came up with the name. I think it was many islands or like the islands was always in the title. So we, we, we named it A Thousand Thousand Islands because we didn't know what we would discover because it was open-ended. The name was a convenient way to keep things open-ended as well. So each zine is an island. That's great. <laughs> we could basically make as many or as few as we wanted. The idea of continually making zines is something that just we fell into as we sort of read more things or discovered more things and like got fixated on certain details. Typically, it's either Mankao has an idea and like starts making images and then he sends those images to me. Or I have an idea and then I sent a document with sort of notes to him. Zedek has had a long-standing relationship with writing. Before becoming an RPG or fiction writer, he was a journalist. He worked for several years in Kuala Lumpur, then moved back to his hometown, where he started writing fiction and RPGs. Well, I'm doing most of my RPG stuff in English, which is not my first language at all. I have two like natural languages, but English is not one of them. So I was wondering, in which languages did you write uh, RPG stuff? Uh, you know, in the first place, was it in English, in other languages? or I am primarily an English language writer. Even when I was writing for work, it was for English language publications. And I do do a bit of translation and I do try to write in Bahasa, Bahasa Melayu, which is Malay. But... The vast majority of my work is in English. Like I actually have had conversations with local publishers who publish in Malay. At one point, I remember having a conversation with with my publisher, Maple Comics, uh, saying that, "Hey, you know, like I know some people who might be interested in uh, translating such and such game into Malay. Are you guys interested in it?" And Amir, who who runs that publishing sort of outfit, said, "We can look into it, but why?" The people here who play RPGs already play it in English. And even if English isn't their first language, they will want to play it in English because English is unfortunately a, a class marker for the middle class. And there are sort of subtle class markers and aspirational sort of markers that are attached to playing RPGs or going to a hipster cafe. So Mankao and I have sat down and talked a lot about the sort of style. What are the ground rules of A Thousand Thousand Islands? Like in talking about how we employ a language that is not Southeast Asian, is to basically go that, no, English is my first language. English is Mankao's first slash second language. English is a Southeast Asian language. And to basically just use English like it's ours. So when we refer to a monarch, you say king, you don't say raja, which is the king in the local language, which is what a sort of exoticized or Southeast Asian text would do. 
if you grew up speaking English, just speak English and let the outsider figure out that you are not talking about the same kind of thing he or she understands. Every zine explores not only a specific thing or aspect, but also a specific place, meaning that you're drawing inspiration, your inspiration from things you are discovering about uh, yes, yes. your culture and your past, but also from your present. That's correct. So a lot of it comes from our sort of reading. Because the research project is so open-ended, it's not like, hey, we're doing a sort of like structured sort of academic to dive into things. Manko and I are just reading the books we pick up and like getting interested in certain factoids. The zine called... Uh... Too many zines. <laughs> I can't remember the name of my zine. Corvu, uh, the, the, one of our zines, uh, basically came out of this a single line I read in a book about Kelantanese building, sort of uh, woodworking and boat building, which was in the state of Kelantan, at the beginning of the rainy season or the monsoon season, there'd be a huge procession in the royal boat by the sultan or the king. And it would be sort of like a rain festival where people would come out and dance in the rain. There was a little fact about it, which was uh, a lot of couples get together. So they start dancing in the rain, which was really such a rich uh, image. And that zine basically started from that one line. How do you work? What's your work routine? What happens you know, from the beginning to the end of one of your zines? What happens? Generally, it happens that Mankao sends me a folder full of images, like about 15 to 20 images, and he'll have some notes of what he was thinking when he was making those images. And then I look at his notes, I think about it, and I, I take maybe, I want to say a month, but it's probably like three to six months because I'm very slow. And then he just doesn't disturb me at all. Occasionally, he'll, he'll, he'll message me saying, hey, how is it going? And then I'll tell him, oh, I'm late. But yeah, I mean, like, we more or less leave each other alone. You know, like, he's working and then he pass it, passes it to me and then I work and then I pass it back to him. So once there's both art and text, where we work together is when there's something about the images or the text that is that either one of us feels uncomfortable about or like a point of detail that needs to be emphasized that isn't emphasized or like was, was sort of like miscommunicated. Uh, an example of this is, so Mankao is a, a committed vegetarian. He came back to me like saying that, hey, you know, this detail in this zine about the sort of villainous characters being cruel and the way that you are illustrating this cruelty is that they slaughter animals a lot. Can we not do that? Because for one, it makes Macau personally uncomfortable, like the casual cruelty to, to animals. Like, and also, if you look at our sources of inspiration, many cultures in Southeast Asia were not typically meat-eating, at least until the colonial age. They were mainly pescatarian and they ate, ate lots of uh, vegetables and fruits and, and grain. So the way we resolve that is like, yeah, I agree that animals shouldn't be a shorthand. So let's be candid about it. This, this culture is cruel and they, and they eat people. So speaking about writing and research, I was wondering what are your writing idiosyncrasies? You know, what is your writing routine? I mean, what, how like this materially writing happens for, for you? Like it's a lot of anxiety. I'd like to say I sit down at my desk for long hours, like basically working hours 
but mostly it's just spending doom scrolling and like just reading random stuff or or when i've got deadlines and you know i just play video games a lot <laughs> which is very bad for the deadline what do you play what what kind of games do you play I've been playing lots of old games, like which which have really no connection to the work I'm doing now. I'm currently writing a sort of adventure which is inspired by sort of Thai Buddhist monasteries. I've been playing Stalker, the old FPS shooter, Ukrainian sort of like set in like in a fantasy Chernobyl. So that's as far away uh, from the sort of work I've been doing. It is. <laughs> where do you write? On your computer here, where I'm seeing you? Yes, like, yes. At your desk, yeah. I just sit in my living room and face the computer all day and all night. But where a lot of the writing gets done is away from the computer when I'm working in the garden or in the shower or like... Um, I, I often walk down the hill from... So there are shops down the hill from where I live and I often walk down like to buy food. A lot of that walking does contribute to like, okay, now I need to get back and sit down on the computer and like type that out so I don't forget it. This, there, there's this one thing that, because in RPGs you write, we, we write, or at least like, I, I like to write a lot of like random tables. So when I'm writing, when I have a word processor open, like visually, every entry needs to be equal in length. So every line has to like, so I'll take a steel ruler and like put it to the screen and I really have uh, ruler. So like, it doesn't have to be exact, but it has to be exact enough. I don't know why I started doing this because obviously it doesn't make sense. When you when you change the alignment, when you change the margins, when it's laid out, this none of this would matter, right? Oh, sure. And, and the and the word length because the word lengths are different. I can't bring myself to move on if it's if one is significantly longer or shorter than the other. I, I I'm trying to throw out justifications to make it sound not so bad. I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I mean, why not? I mean, like every creator has restraint, right? It's it's a kind of restraint. So like you get it is. Yeah. How do you formulate the language or a turn of phrase or a piece of like a uh, piece of information um, delivered poetically? Yeah, and this is one of the this is one of the formats. Zadek and Munkau are running their first Kickstarter for their first book, The Reach of the Watch God, but. There are a lot of structural barriers that make the access to the market difficult for creators living in some countries. And one of those barriers is that Kickstarter is not available in many countries, and Malaysia is one of them. So typically creators in Southeast Asia partner with a US distributor or publisher to run the Kickstarter. But Zedek and Mankau decided to find a way to run the Kickstarter themselves. This is why. We're doing a Kickstarter because it's, it's one of the tools to make this RPG stuff sustainable because Mankai and I kind of like owns the means of production sort of people. Uh, we want to have a sense of ownership of the project. And that ownership means also running the campaign ourselves, printing it here in Malaysia, uh, and then figuring out shipping. Obviously, we're going to partner with distributors, but I, personally, I feel very strongly about it because... Uh, a lot of sort of artistic creative mediums in Southeast Asia are traditionally very dependent on the eye and attention of the West. For example, art house cinema in Malaysia during the 90s and early 2000s, what, um, Malaysia was the, um, what do you say, the, the novelty place for sort of uh, festival curators. 
So these film festival creators would come and then like for about five years to a decade, it was like all over all these art house film festivals. And then the attention shifts elsewhere. And then the creators who were fostered under this uh, influence are now left to flounder because their attention and therefore the material and financial support has shifted. Like obviously collaboration is great, but I know of too many examples where local creators become dependent on funding from the outside, whether it's a government or corporate funding, or in the, in the case of RPGs in particular, it's like funding and, and material support from uh, the West. So the reach of the Roach God Kickstarter is running right now. As of today, you have 20 days left to back the project. I've put the link to the Kickstarter page in the show notes. And here is Zedek about what's going to be inside the Reach of the Roach God book. So the book is called Reach of the Roach God. Marco was, was thinking a lot and looking at a lot of caves because some of the biggest caves in the world, cave systems in the world are in Southeast Asia and caves are quite evocative, right? So then as usual, I started exploring visually. And then when I looked at all his drawings, I said, okay, I see an adventure here, an adventure here, an adventure here. So now it's three adventures. Basically, this is our take on the underdog, so to speak. And uh, Maka was drawing sort of cultures based underground, cultures that have gone underground. Um, so then to support the three adventures, I sort of said, okay, those cultures need describing or those cultures need fleshing out. So, so imagine like three of our zines. Packed together. Yes. Plus. Plus the three adventures. So that is now the book. It's called Reach of the Roach God because Manko and I both really hate roaches. So researching cave stuff, Manko just fixated on roaches. So he started drawing lots of roaches because caves are obviously are full of roaches, especially caves that have birds in them. Which... So it's going to be an intense writing experience for you. Yes, it's very, it's very uncomfortable already. I was complaining the other day about having to Google roach mouth parts and like, what does roach blood smell like and yeah it's it's gonna be gross so yeah it will be it will be trees or starting adventures leading down into a sort of uh, cave or underground world That was Zedek Su, co-creator and writer of the Zin series A Thousand Thousand Islands and of the book The Reach of the Roach God. You've listened to the Lost Bay podcast, a show about and with indie tabletop designers and artists. It's produced by me, Iko, and music is by Avery Isles. If you have enjoyed the show, please consider supporting it and help me to grow it and give voice to amazing RPG designers and artists. I'll put a link to the Lost Bay Podcast Patreon page in the show notes. The Lost Bay Podcast episodes are also available on YouTube with English subtitles. Thanks a lot for listening and until next time, stay well.